Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. This is X.A. Anderson. I know you have challenges that others don't see, challenges that are painful for you. Here's the good news. The hardest things in your life can turn into your superpower. How do I know? As an eight-year-old boy, my mother passed away, and the pain from that is now letting me help others in ways I never thought possible. Find out how your difficult life struggles can be your superpower in my new book, What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die, which is now available on Amazon. Once again, purchase my book, What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die, on Amazon today. My guest today is Amy Newmark, who is the author, editor-in-chief, and publisher of the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. Since 2008, she has published more than 183 new books, most of them national bestsellers in the U.S. and Canada. Amy is credited with revitalizing the Chicken Soup for the Soul brand, which has been a publishing industry phenomenon since the first book came out in 1993. In today's episode, we talk about her latest book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Your 10 Keys to Happiness, 101 Real-Life Stories That Will Show You How to Improve Your Life. So welcome to Lifeology. Oh, thanks for having me on. I am looking forward to this. I was telling you in the pre-call, and my viewers and listeners may remember this, but Mark Victor Hansen and Crystal Duar Hansen, um, Mark was the one of the co-founders of Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. And so I was just like, oh my God, I have to have Amy on because I obviously look up to him. And so the, you guys have done so much with this series. And so of course, we want to hear more about what's happening. So you've done what, 183 books? That is, out, that yeah. is outstanding. How did that come about? We we took the company over in 2008. We bought it from Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. And we have stayed true to the original mission of the company, which is to use storytelling as a way of sharing wisdom and advice with people, tips for the best possible life. And and that's, if you think about it, the way that mankind has shared wisdom and culture for what, thousands of years, it's always through storytelling. So their formula, which is 101 stories, basically crowdsourced from the world, right? And then curated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the difference is that now we don't go chicken soup for the something soul. We just say chicken soup for the soul and then whatever title we want. And that uh, has really, sense. yeah, that's really opened it up so that I can do whatever mm-hmm. topic I want. Oh, and so fantastic. it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing it for 14 years now and I've never run out of new ideas. I bet. I mean, especially since you're able to curate it with so many people who can, who can give you their information, give their story, their life lessons. I mean, it's very similar to Lifeology. I get to, not as many as you, but I get to meet so many amazing people like yourself who get to tell their story and what they've learned and the life hacks that they've experienced. So that is great. But what happened with this book? So this book here, um, 10 Keys to Happiness, 101 Real Life Stories That Will Show You How to Improve Your Life. What made you want to write this particular book? So this one's a little different because I actually went and instead of culling through thousands of submissions to put together the 101 stories in the book, Uh which is how we normally do it. Instead, I went through our library, which consists of tens of thousands of stories. And I chose 101 stories that I felt best illustrated. What I feel are these 10 keys to happiness. And how did I come up with 10 keys to happiness? Well, I'm a former Wall Street analyst. I approach (laughs) self-help. 
I approached self-help in a very analytical way. And so doing this for 14 years, reading tens of thousands of stories from people about what worked and what didn't work in their lives, Uh I came up with this list of 10 keys to happiness. And then I chose 10 stories that best illustrated each of the 10 keys. So that is what you're getting in this collection of of stories. I love your... The way you do, you know, your, your methodology, that's very interesting to, to come up with in that way. It, it does make a lot of sense. Now, one thing I was wondering, so this, are they stories that they're actually written or is it someone's like an essay of like, if I would say, oh, I talk about mental health, for example, would it be something like that? Or is it an actual story that's been crafted or written? No essays ever, never, mm, ever. Okay. We are pure entertainment. We feed you, we feed you your, your self-help with teaspoonfuls of sugar. You're going to enjoy the experience. Awesome. You know, awesome. you get to read entertaining stories that will still get inside your brain and mm. give you the information that you need. But it's very entertaining the way that we do it. Good. You know, I, in psychology, we have what's called narrative therapy. So narrative therapy, I use a lot with children. So it's really cool because with narrative therapy, you tell a story that's very similar to what the child's experiencing, but you take away the actual lesson, the obvious lesson. And so the child gets to hear it. And when they hear it, they're like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then so I get to say, and so what do you think happened next? And so they get to fill in the blank with what they thought, which cause, which creates cause and effect. So it's awesome that you guys do this as an adult version. Obviously, it's not therapy. But you do it in such a way that you can teach a moral and a lesson. And people can really listen or really read it, rather, and be like, oh, it actually makes a lot of sense. That makes sense as far as what the moral is, and et cetera. And they can assimilate that for their life. So that's really, really fascinating. You know what we do? We we don't even let you do that thing you were taught in seventh grade, you know, that introductory paragraph where you tell somebody what you're going to tell them. And then that oh, yeah, yeah, paragraph exactly. where you tell them what yeah. you told them. We don't, I take off that first paragraph and that last paragraph. <laughs> the abstract, Our readers are smart. They'll figure out what yeah. they just learned without us sticking yeah. it right in their faces. And oh, of course, really yeah. Absorb, <laughs> yeah. You absorb the information so much better if you come to the conclusion yourself. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Now with the 10 keys there, let's actually go through them. I, I know them, but I would love to hear obviously how you came up with those specific 10 keys to live a healthier, happier life. So I came up with these because I've noticed we get thousands of stories uh, you know, mm. on certain themes and I've become a better person, a more grounded person, less judgmental, more grateful, less mm. stressed, um, less narcissistic, you know, just not thinking, oh, this happened to me, sure. you know, realizing yeah, it happened course. to 10 million other people. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and so what, what we did was I, I sat down and I thought about what were the 10 keys to happiness that I've really learned from being in this job for 14 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting closer to retirement age. I'm also going through cancer treatment, which oh, has a remarkable way of cleaning your brain out, you know, when you're going through cancer, you really focus on what's important and you have a lot of time for introspection. And so I feel very confident that these 10 keys to happiness, even if people just do one of them, will make a big difference in their Mm -hmm. lives. And what's cool about this is we're living in times when you feel like you don't have a lot of control, right? There's COVID, there's divisive politics, there's policies being changed. All kinds of things are happening the war in Ukraine, and you don't feel like you have any control. The world is out of control, Mm -hmm. but you do have control over yourself and you do have the ability to use tools you already have in your mind 
to basically press the reboot button and create your own fresh start these days. And I think that's great. One interviewer asked me, well, is it okay to be talking about happiness when so many people are unhappy? I said, of course it is. You're allowed to experience multiple emotions at the same time. You can work on your own happiness, even as you're very, very mindful of other people's unhappiness. There's nothing selfish about trying to improve your own life, even as you are a member of, you know, the world community. Of course. Wow. So in psychology, we have what we call a dialectic. And so I'm really glad you said that. So for people who I know my viewers and listeners like to look these things up. So dialectic is a fancy term that basically says you can experience multiple emotions at once that could be very opposite emotions, but they they are all true. For example, you're at a funeral and you're someone you're really sad because someone passed away, but you think of a happy memory and you start laughing, you're hundred percent sad and you're hundred percent happy in that moment. So those are things that we all experience all the time. It shows us the complexity of our emotions, the complexity of how it is the beauty of being a human. So yes, we can feel experience multiple things at once. Well, let's go through those uh, those 10 keys. So I know the first one is count your blessing. And so that was fantastic, especially like you said, with the way the world is today. It's really good to be able yes. to do that. So walk me through that one. So I don't know that you can be happy if you're not aware of the blessings in your life, if you're not counting your blessings, using the power of gratitude to be aware of what you have instead of thinking about what you might lack. And mm-hmm. so I shared a bunch of stories in the book really simple practices that people can do, like keeping a gratitude list, writing down three things a day that they're you know, grateful for. And it's amazing how quickly you can turn around even the most pessimistic attitude because you start basically going through your days thinking, hmm, what good things are happening to me today that I'm going yeah. to put on my list? And now you're looking for the good in your life, not the bad. So that's my first tip. And that's something that I think can cause a change in your life within a week or two of of mm-hmm. undertaking this practice, which really takes a minute a day. That's all it takes. So yeah. that's a nice, easy one. And my second one, and this one I think is is something that we all need help with. It's to use the power of forgiveness to liberate yourself from whatever yes. in the past yes. is holding you back. And I know that sounds very trite, but it really does work. And I shared a story, which I think you'll really appreciate. It was this woman who kept harping on all the things her ex-husband had done to her until her best friend said to her, you might as well still be married to the man. You take him with you wherever you go. And it was such an eye-opener for this woman. And she immediately said, oh my gosh, I'm only hurting myself. I've created my own prison. Those things happened in the past. Why am I reliving them? Because forgiveness doesn't mean you're saying it was okay. It just means you've decided not to relive those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. So those are my first two keys to happiness. And I think those are really essential. Yeah, they really are. I mean, I I love that thing about the forgiveness. It's true because most people think you're forgiving or uh, letting someone off the hook for what they've done. No, what you're really doing is just freeing yourself, like you said, so that it doesn't consume you. And when something doesn't consume you, then you have more time to look at the gratitude aspects. You have more time to do all these things that are healthy for you. But like you said, if you continue to hold on to those things, there's no space for anything else. Yeah. Now, my third, my third key to happiness is to help someone else because it's amazing. It could be something like undertaking a big deal volunteer activity, mm-hmm. or it could be something as small as you held the door open for someone, or you gave yeah. somebody the 32 cents they were lacking at the checkout at the grocery mm-hmm. store. But it's amazing how it will lift your spirits for hours after you do something. So that's 
our third key to happiness. Yeah, let me add to that as well. So what most, most people don't realize is when you actually do something for someone else, it's, you create what's called altruism. Basically, it's your way of doing something without expecting something else. But what people don't realize is when you're actually altruistic, when you're, you can't fool your body. So when you're altruistic, all of a sudden you get a hit of dopamine. That dopamine actually is what makes you feel good for so long because you're actually doing something. The difference though is if you do something and you're not being altruistic, and this is how you'll know what your motivation was, is if you do something and you don't get that hit of dopamine, you're excited all day, then that means you're actually doing something for an external version of validation, meaning someone can say, oh, James gave this person 32 cents. Look at that. And that's my reward. But when you truly do something and you, when you are, are altruistic about it, your body will give you a hit of dopamine, which actually makes you, um, gives you that boost of energy, that joy that you feel in your heart for an extended period of time. So that's one of the great reasons why what she's talking about is so important because in giving back to others, you actually reward yourself with that. Now, my fourth one, I think everybody will, everybody will appreciate this one too. And that is to have less stuff because <laughs> there's such an emotional weight to having yeah. stuff when you open that closet or that drawer and it's just jam packed and you know some of that stuff you never use. So how do you make yourself go through the difficult task of, of, getting rid of stuff because it really is very rewarding to have half the stuff in the closet that you used to have. Look at it and say, wait a minute, am I holding on to someone else's blessing? Mm -hmm. Right? Because oh, how often have reason. you gone through your closet and you have found clothing and you say, oh, it's not even in style anymore. And if I had given it away 10 years ago, somebody mm. actually could have used it. Or that kitchen appliance that you've held on to forever because, well, my blender might break one day. So here's my second favorite blender. I'm going to hold on yeah, to it. That is what Amazon is for. Like, get rid of all that stuff because you'll get rid of a hundred things and you only have to order one replacement on Amazon out of those hundred things. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yes, I moved down here to Miami not too long ago and I got rid of so many things and it's been fantastic. I don't have to worry about all these things. Uh, it's nice to just be able to look around. Everything is so Spartan and so austere. That's something I really enjoy. So I definitely can corroborate that as well. I know your next one yeah. is what? Think positively? Think positive? Yeah. So that sounds like something that might be hard to do. So yeah. let's just figure out ways to jumpstart that. For example, I have a story this, could, this is going to, again, I don't want to be accused of that old chicken soup is so sickly sweet, blah, blah, blah. But oh. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story anyway. There was this woman who, named Farida, and she was really not happy. She had just been in this long line at the post office, and she was stomping her way through the parking lot back to her car. And then she saw this woman stomping towards her, looking very mad about the world also. And then Farida said to herself, is that what I look like? And then she smiled at this woman who was like her carbon copy and the woman kind of startled and then relaxed visibly and then smiled back at her. And then Farida started smiling at everybody the rest of the day. And then mm -hmm. she realized, wow, this completely changed, changes the dynamic of every interaction I have yeah. had through the day. And it really does work. Even if you're having the worst possible day, if you smile, it will change how people interact with you and your day will become mm -hmm better. And if you want to think about it in totally practical terms, you actually get more out of people when you smile at them anyway. I mean, <laughs> I, I had a traffic, I had a cop in, in New York City open up the street for me because I smiled at him instead of complaining. Wow! And he opened up wow. the street and let my car through and then put the cones back behind me. But a smile wow. is really powerful. It, it yes. really works. So in that chapter about 
how to think positively. I have that story and a bunch of others. And they're all just really useful tips that you can actually implement in your life right away. And they are incredibly practical work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's the thing because sometimes when, when self-help books or anything in, in that industry, it's great in theory, but sometimes we just see something in the moment. <laughs> so in the moment, this is something you can do. You can smile and something as simple as that can literally change your environment. I'm a very practical person. So I never read a self-help book before I became the editor-in-chief of Chicken Soup for the Soul. So I bring this business background to it. Yeah. And basically, I'm only going to tell you stuff that actually works that I've used myself. And mm. there's no touchy-feely stuff. There's no crystals. There's no writing in a journal for a year. There's none of that. Um, it's just stuff that works and works fast. Awesome. What's the next one? All right. The next one is to remember to make me time. Mm. And no matter how busy you are Sounds and good. how much you're always doing for everyone else, you need that me time. You will actually be better at being a spouse, a child, uh, a friend, a colleague, a co-volunteer, whatever it is, if you carve out that me time. And so I have 10 stories that show you the ways that other people carved out me time, whether it was half an hour a day of okay. reading or an hour to exercise or five hours a week to ride their horse, whatever it is daily or weekly, you have to know that that me time is around the mm. corner for you. And we had one woman who was working so hard and she was about to quit her job because she was so good at her job that her calendar was always filled with sales calls. And then her mentor said to yeah. her, you need lily pads. And she said, what's a lily pad? And the woman said, you know how a frog jumps on a lily pad mm. to sit in the sun and relax for a few minutes? Put some fake appointments on your calendar. Those are your lily pads. So she did it. Oh, and she didn't quit her job. And, and all of a sudden, she had time again for herself and her family. Wow, that's actually really clever. I didn't think about doing that way. But that's actually makes a lot of sense. Yes, self care is one of the most important things, because as you continue to give out to others, if there's no, nothing for yourself, there's no reserve, then unfortunately, a person will get burned out incredibly fast. So so glad to hear that that's one of the main tenants that you teach as well. Yeah, I think you get resentful also if you don't carve out that time oh, for certainly. yourself. And then you're resentful to other people, but it wasn't their fault, because you're the one who did it to yourself, right? Yeah. And then you're like that person who's not smiling. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just exactly. a whole cycle. It's all, all rolls together. That's funny. <laughs> the next one is step outside of your comfort zone. Tell us more about that one too. All right. So when I turned 50, I realized that my husband and I were just getting in a rut. I mean, this movie theater opened up in the next town and everybody said it was great. And we didn't go there because we didn't know where the parking was. Like, how ridiculous is that? And so we mm -hmm. decided that we would start doing everything new even scary things. And we would say yes to everything. And we've done a lot of scary things, including like we paraglided off this thousand foot cliff in Oman. Yeah, that was terrifying. But now that I've done that, I know I can do anything. Uh, but the, the point <laughs> is that when you do, when you say yes to new things, even if you're positive, oh, I'm not going to like that, or that's too scary. Yeah. You really feel empowered and you feel energized and reinvigorated. And then what you find is you keep doing new things and it just builds and builds mm. and builds. And you become a really interesting person who has a fun life and is always trying new things and is always busy changing and growing. And you don't do that thing that people normally do when they get older, which is to narrow their lives. Instead, you keep yes. broadening your life. It makes you a full participant. 
Yes, it does. Eleanor Roosevelt said, do something you fear every single day. So, I mean, that's definitely something stepping out of your comfort zone is something that's incredibly important because the more evolved you are, the more things you do that's different, the more divergent your life can be. And it's on your terms as opposed to being stuck in the mold from what you originally thought was who you were. So it's such a great way to expand yourself, expand your horizons and get to meet so many people, experience so many new things. You just become a healthier, more more well-rounded person. You can just do something as simple as saying, I'm going to have a new policy for the next 30 days. My answer will always be yes. And you try it. And I bet if you try it for a month, they'll say, I'm going to do it for six months. And then you do it for a year and then you just keep doing it. I like that one. I've not heard that before. Very good. Well, that's why I got to read this book. (laughs) Next (laughs) one is be yourself. All right. So we all have some insecurities. And so this could be something really major, like, you're an introvert, you really like to be alone and you try to force yourself to do extrovert things and it just doesn't really work out for you. Or you could be somebody who's not comfortable with her body type. And we have a story in here from a woman who was always buying big black shapeless dresses because Mm -hmm. she was told that's what you're supposed to do if you're a large woman. And then the sales lady at the store one day said to her, I'm not selling you that. And she took her back to the clothing racks and she made her buy bright, colorful clothing. And it changed this woman's life because she just blossomed once she was wearing Mm. the clothing that went with the personality that she was hiding under those big black shapeless things. And I think life, life often tells us how we should be and how we should act based off of the situations. But it's so great to hear that as you continue to teach people this, that being yourself doesn't necessarily mean it has to fit the mold or even has to fit the situation. If it's healthy for you and, and it's congruent with who you are, then by all means, be who you are as opposed to what life says you should be. Yeah. And I think it's particularly important for women because women tend to be so self-diminishing, you know, and mm. women are always feeling Definitely, very insecure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that chapter has a lot of stories that will help people to to um, step outside some assumed persona and just be themselves. That's absolutely fantastic. And the last one here, the last one we have before we go is pursue your passion. That I love that one. Tell me more about that one. So a lot of people have a job that's just a job. So for eight hours a day, do mm-hmm. that job. It, you know, puts food on the table, but make sure that you're somehow pursuing your passion. Also, and that could be something as simple as my key to happiness number 10, which is to get outside of nature. You know, just do something every day that makes you happy. Uh, And so anyway, that those are my 10 keys to happiness. I think with the last one, pursue your passion, because sometimes people can think, oh, that's I have to, you know, quit my job and do something different. But I really like how you break it down to something just as small as I want to go outside and go for a walk something brings me joy today. So it can be something from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. But I think once you incorporate all that in there, then you find your life, like you said, is so much better. When I look at all these different, these different 10 aspects, it's, it's interesting because a person, it's all about just slowing things down, kind of looking at the situation a little bit differently, doing something a little bit different than you've done before. And that literally will change your life. So I love how practical these things are, like we said at the very beginning, because they're nothing that it's nothing that's so complex that you can't do it. It's just simply slowing down, recognizing that hmm, there's something different I can try. And in doing that, you will find that your life is different. Yeah. Practical, easy, and they really work. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy Newmark. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find any information you're going to tell us about in just a few minutes, they can go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll have all the information there. But if they want to read this book, 10 Keys to Happiness, 101 Real Life Stories that will show you how to improve your life, where will they find this information online? 
you can go to chickensoup.com and you'll see where you can buy the book and you can read more about it there. Wonderful. I can't wait to read this myself. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for joining with us today, Amy. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.